Day means pet chat time, and our vet is with us right now, which is David Tabbert. Hello, David. How are you today? Very good, thanks, Dave. Good to see you. Nice to have you here. And Danny Boz is joining us. Uh, good afternoon, Dave. What about a topic for today? What have you got in mind, David? Cool tools in veterinary medicine. You'd be surprised. We've got all these machines now. They machines that go ping. I call them. Okay. So I wanted to run through a few things with that idea. So we'll have a good talk about that. And what about you? A special guest for us today, Denny? We'll be talking to Brad Moore, who's the president of the Crowdus Bay Puppy Play Group. Uh, they meet up in Crowdus Bay and and uh, have a picnic there. Mm-hmm. And and they're also a good organisation who donate a lot of stuff to rescue organisations. So we'll talk to them about could the get a bit controversial today. Could too. do. Could so stay could listening do. for that. And also, we'll need your involvement. Pet Chat, you can give us a call, 49216216, if you've got a question for our vet, Dr. David Tabret. We're here right through until 1 o'clock today at 2NURFM 103.7. It's Pet Chat this afternoon. Denny Boz is with us, and our special guest joining us, Denny. Uh, Brad Moore from the Crowdus Bay Puppy Playgroup. Hi, Brad. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, Danny Wolf. <laughs> woof, woof, mate. That's it. <laughs> Look, um, we we wanted to ask you uh, what the group does and what's going on at the moment uh, with some issues at the park. So, yeah, let let us uh, know what the group does. Well, mate, we're we're uh, we're just a social social group. We get together. We're all dog lovers, obviously. Yes. Um, we gather down the park. Some of us are down there every day of the week, walking in the morning in the leash free period, but. You know, we have Christmas parties for the dogs. We have birthday parties. We just had the Easter egg hunt and costume parade for the dogs at Easter, which we've done for a couple of years now, and it's getting bigger and better. And yeah. uh, the dogs have a ball, and the kids have a ball, and, you know, we do have eggs, plastic eggs, filled with dog treats, not chocolate, of course. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, this this year we were all set up ready to go. We... We uh, were contacted by the council, or one of the committee members were contacted by the council on the Thursday, uh, saying they'd seen um, the article in the Star about our Easter Easter event, and uh, we needed to seek permission, fill out a form, and pay them $110 so that we could run our event. Right. Um, which I sort of uh, saw read on that and sort of said, no, I don't think so, and no, we're probably not going to do that, uh, and we didn't. Uh, funnily enough, yesterday I got a bill in the mail from the council for the Easter event, which I'm probably not going to pay that either, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're a charitable, not-for-profit group. We raise money for RSPCA and our good friends Hutter Animal Rescue in Newcastle. Yes, And we other, do. other charities, and animal charities, and, um, yeah, we just, yeah, it's all about the dogs. Uh, we've what? got some 300-plus canines in the group of all shapes and sizes and breeds, and then we've got 200 humans plus kids plus grandparents and all that sort of thing. So there's quite a, a lot of people. And then we've got Facebook members as well that are in the state, and some of them are even overseas, California and the like. Uh, so, so what do you, know, you I guess I guess in the fact is like you meet fairly regularly but it it's a public space it's it's a it's a park isn't it Well that's what we thought that the council seemed to suggest that if it's an advertised and organized event you need to seek permission so following that line it would seem that you know if you go down to Crowder's Bay Park with your family for a birthday party or maybe a Anzac Day barbecue or Australia Day barbecue, you 
should be seeking permission to do that from the council. Last time I looked, we weren't living in a police state. You know, mm. we, we're just we're just doggy people. We like, you know, we're patriots. We love the sun. We love our lake. We appreciate what we've got. Many, many times we've been down to our park and we've cleaned up glass rubbish from other people that have been down there. None of our events do we leave a mess. We pick up our poo and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, the council and I have had a running some time back when they took away all the poo bag dispensers in the area and... Uh, Maybe that was a sign they didn't want you there, I guess, <laughs> Brad. Well, at one stage, I, 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 I am guilty of sort of telling the general manager to that he was only a public servant and he should wake up to himself and we really should get the bag situation sorted out. And since then, I'm afraid we've copped the uh, raw end of the deal from the council. Wow. Uh, I guess it's just, you've come from a place where there's uh, good, uh, responsible dog owners who try to meet every so often and pick up and clean up after themselves they've been there and it is unfair to all of a sudden be charged for the purpose of using a public park. Um, well, we think so. Hmm. I mean, we do, on a Saturday, we have a regular regular puppy play group coffee club, okay? So that's for the humans that work during the week. We meet down there in the shed. We have free tea and coffee. The dogs have a ball. There's treats for the kids. There's no big deal. It's not a fundraiser. It's just a, a social thing. Well, you know, we can't afford to seek permission and pay $110 every week uh, to run our coffee club in a public park that we all pay rates for anyway, you know. Brad, um, uh, David, it's David Tabret here. So um, I just uh, we were talking about this topic off air just before you came on, and it's obviously very um, controversial in the way that it's presented to you. I guess the council have, you know, the properties there that they have to be concerned about any liability that stems to them. Is there something in the forms or the paperwork that really addresses that, or do you see this just as a money-grabbing exercise? Well, <laughs> the paperwork that... Well, first of all, the, 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 the manager of uh, public bookings and facilities, uh, they don't talk to me. I have rung up and I've been told to get somebody else to ring up to talk to them. So apart from that unprofessional behaviour, I really struggled to get information from that department. But on one of the forms that I have seen, and I understood it to be the uh, groups of over 200 that were a commercial organised event need to seek uh, permission. That's fine. Understand that completely. If you're if you've got food sellers there, jumping castles, and you're having a big event, and you know, uh, sure, fine. But our events aren't, you know, over 200 people. Uh, we're not commercial by any means. Uh, we take donations, but that's it. We give away everything else, uh, and you know, we we just sort of feel uh, we shouldn't have to sort of go through all this bureaucratic. Uh, red tape. And apart from anything else, we can't afford to pay $110 to book a shed that should be publicly available anyway. The park is covered by general insurance every day of the week yep. Uh, yep. for anybody that goes down there. So we're just anybody that goes down there with our dogs in leash-free periods. Well, Brad, Sometimes, hmm? well yeah. what I was going to say is as we're running short on time, but I guess it would be interesting to hear today from some of our uh, talkback listeners in terms of what they think about it. But yeah, we can touch base a bit later on again in terms of uh, what the conclusion is and what happens with uh, Lake Macquarie City Council. Mm. Radio.
Thank you for that, Brad. And uh, I'd just like to say the thoughts and comments expressed by the <laughs> Pet Chat team here, not necessarily those of me, Dave Cochran. You're listening to Pet Chat. It's 49216216 if you'd like to give us a call to talk to our vet, Dr. David Tabret. And we're going to our calls right now. I think we've got a call there right now, and we'll say hello to NURFM. It's Pet Chat. Hello, who's calling? Good afternoon. How are you, Rod- Rodney? Hello, Rodney. How are you doing there? I am very well, thank you. Very well indeed. We, we've got our vet, Dr. David, talk, listening to you right now. Uh, good afternoon, David. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Rodney. Good. Look, um, I'm very lucky enough to have a beautiful uh, Kelpie Cross puppy that we got from Port Macquarie RSPCA. Yep. The only trouble that I'm having with her is she is continually chewing. She has cost me more in shoes and thongs than I think anybody would ever, ever want to pay for. Oh, no. She's seven months old. Yep. Um, I'm just wondering, is that something that um, will continue or should I... In a puppy uh, school, she's very, very obedient. She's, she's learning quickly lots of different things. Even when we're walking in there, she's getting far better and better and better. But this continual chewing is just driving me insane. Yeah. Now, dogs, as we know, suffer from a lack of thumbs, so they have trouble interacting with their environment, and so they rely upon the sense of taste and the feel and the uh, smell of a lot of things as a way to explore their environment and probably that's part of it the other thing that we often see at this age group uh, is that their teeth um, are coming through and usually by about seven to eight months of age they've got most of their adult teeth anyway so it does tend to settle down a little bit as their gums settle down and, the, and that sort of pain and so on associated with teething goes away but of course it could become a habit and um, the habit is that we're chewing the wrong things. So it's not so much... Chewing's quite normal um, because it, it's associated with teething and because they're exploring, but it's really about directing them onto the right things to chew, and that's why we end up you know, in the backyards full of lots of different things. Right. The interesting thing is probably part of it is that, um, that your dog wants to chew things that might have the scent of people. That is, you know, I feel feel better and feel closer to the human members of the household by chewing on things that they've had, and so maybe we could use that with some of the the toys and so on that you can get. I really like the idea we've talked before about the Kongs because they're they're interactive. So they can be filled with food, throw them in, uh, wrap them in glab wrap, throw them in the freezer get them out and that becomes a toy that they can play with all day it's exercising the jaw uh it's rewarding because of the food that's in there as well and um you know they're unlikely to harm themselves with that sort of toy obviously a lot of things like people give big bones and so on but they're at risk of things like tooth fractures or um, bits of bone getting stuck in their mouth so probably the um the best approach is to either use a kong that's got food um as part of it so that it's self-rewarding and the other approach is to look at toys that maybe you can apply some by having them in the house with you for a while maybe a week before you give them to your dog they'll pick up enough scent so that your dog thinks ah this is one of yours and i'm happy to eat this rather than your pair of um, leather shoes. Hope that helps you, Rodney. 49216216, if you'd like to be a part of Pet Chat, 49216216. At length and waiting patiently is Debbie. Good afternoon. Hi, Dave. Hi, Debbie. How are you? I'm good, thank you. What can we do for you? Look, I have a couple of questions on goldfish, if that's all right. 
Right. Um, I've had a couple of goldfish in a, just a bowl for, you know, many, many years. <clears throat> yep. Way back in the day, sort of when we got them, one of them just overnight was gold and then totally went silver. Sort of just lost all his gold colour. Mm-hmm. What would cause that? Like, he's perfectly fine, but is there a reason why he would do that? Generally, I think if we're seeing skin or uh, scale colour change, it can be associated with... Whenever we think of reptiles, fish, things like that, you're really controlling their environment to the extent... See, animals like cats and dogs have an internal environment and they are able to adapt to the external environment, whereas our fish and our reptiles are more subjected to the external environment and so they are regulated by that so whenever we look at fish for instance i look at things like water temperature ph um, solids in the water um, and the filtration and i think you really have to optimize those areas first and foremost before we go looking at um, other diseases or in fact if there are other diseases present very yeah, often because like, we've had him for years and years and yep. it's been perfectly fine it's yep. just that he changed color like the other one it didn't. Right. So. <laughs> and it was a sudden thing. Yeah. Yeah. So rather than maybe an age-related thing, it sounds more like a um, something related to the a- adaptation to the environment. I, I would be suspicious of that. We do see um, scale diseases, skin diseases, which are associated with poor water quality, but they often come up as spots on the fish. Yeah. They can spread quite a bit or they can ulcerate. But if it's just a colour change, then I'd be looking at the water quality first and then perhaps dietary factors. Um, I might check into a bit further for you and have some information on our next show and pass that along as well. But uh, uh, it's certainly um, one of the things that whenever you have these things like fish, reptiles, have a look at your environment because you're basically dictating how that animal's going to live in that environment. Alrighty, and we move on with calls now. 49216216 if you'd like to be part of Pet Chat. Tracy's with us. Hello, Tracy. How are you doing today? Good, thanks, Dave. How are you? Very good. Hi, Tracy. What can we do for you? Hi, David. Um, just back to your first caller on um, dogs chewing things. Yes. Um, my daughter also has a Kelpie cross as well as a Boxer Beagle cross. They're actually eating um, the weatherboards off the house, the lattice under the house, things like that. Right. Yeah, yeah they, they've sort of gone beyond shoes and stuff. Yep. And do you have, um, or does your daughter have then uh, toys and things like that? Oh, for them? the backyard's littered Covered with toys. With yeah. They tip the toys out of the bucket and chew the bucket. Uh, they choose their beds, their kennels, anything they can get their teeth around. They've tried uh, the stop chew spray from um, the pet shop. Yep. But it, it's not working. It doesn't make any difference. And how old are these these dogs? Uh, the Kelpie Cross is four and a half months and the other one's six months. Oh, okay. All right. There, I think we go back to what we were saying with Rodney. Is it's very much a feature of this age group mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be surprised if that behaviour really starts to drop off at about seven or eight months. Um, I think you still need to do all of those things that you're doing because some dogs, particularly when I've seen dogs that are chewing on the house, there's sometimes an element of boredom. Um, but usually that's less so if you've got two dogs. So And they take them for walks every day and, yep. and that sort of stuff. So it's not like they're in the yard all day, every day by themselves. Yes, yes. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it starts to dissipate 
in the next couple of months. But of course, um, in the meantime, you have to get the house reclad. <laughs> so if you're going to do that, wait till they stop chewing so that you don't Definitely. have to do it, do it a couple yeah. of times. I keep up with all of the things as far as exercise interaction with the dogs and the toys. Anything, if you see um, the toys that are more engaging with the dogs. Yeah. So I don't really, I'm not really a big fan of things like the tug ropes because they have to have someone to tug the rope with. Well, they've got each other and they do play tug ropes they do with that. each other. They've also um, attached some ropes to poles so they can play with them as well, which they do. Yep. Just watch, um, because they're young and their teeth, are, uh, the temporary teeth still coming through, we don't want to lose any teeth early or unnecessarily. Um, but it's certainly any of those interactive toys are going to be more effective. And in this case, I think time is going to be the, the best uh, weapon. Thank you for your call today, Tracy. 49216216. If you'd like, Tracy, you'd like to get through and talk on Pet Chat. 49216216. Hilda's with us now from Swansea. Hi. Hi, Hilda. What can we do for you? Uh, well, I've got, um, I've had budgies and budgies after one or the other. And I've just, this last budgie I've got, mm-hmm. he, he bites me. He, he won't let me touch him or nothing. You know, he's very good. He's, he's, um, he talks to me and everything, you know, but if I put my hand in the cage, he bites me. Right. Okay. And uh, I've never had that trouble before. I've had budgies before, and this one's he's, he's lovely. I love him, but... <laughs> how, lo- how long have you had him for? Um, not long, um, about six months. He's, he's just become the blue on his nose. He was a very tiny baby when I've got him. Oh, okay, yep. No worries. The person so. that my grandson got it from, um, he cut his one wing, but he right. cut it very short. The wing, it's not grown properly yet, and he can't fly properly. Okay. So I don't know whether he's taking it out on me or what. <laughs> <laughs> he's blaming you for these lack yeah, of lack of right. uh, flight. <laughs> um, a couple of things. It, it's sort of like when we were saying with Rodney earlier with these dogs, they explore the environment through the sense of taste and smell. And birds very often, you know, as far as they're in a cage, so their natural flight, yeah. flight response is taken away and these wings clipped. And uh, so their reaction initially is going to be to use a beak. And that's a very negative experience for yourself because obviously, ouch, it hurts. Um, So we have to turn that around and make it into a positive experience. This goes back to a lot of things about how we set the bird up because what I'm going to tell you is it's not just one simple thing. It's actually a number of different steps. Um, It also comes back to how the wings clipped and things like that. Bottom line, I think a lot of those things you need to actually sit down and talk with a a bird vet about how to do this properly. But here's what I think you need to do and works for me. When you go to feed the bird, first of all, you should only feed them twice a day for 15 minutes as well. But when you go to feed the bird, then get a grape and peel the top off a grape or peel a grape and just make a a semi-closed fist and put the grape inside so that the top of it's poking out of your fist, okay? And then show the grape to the bird and so as he reaches over to actually lick it or whatever he might go to bite you as well just turn your hand away and slowly withdraw it so you're taking that food away gradually he'll start to realize that your hand isn't such a bad thing it actually contains some really nice sweet food and so you get him to the point where he's eating this grape out of your hand you then want him to be able to hop onto your hand and continue to eat the grape And if he goes to bite, you just simply roll your hand away like I'm taking the food away and withdraw your hand. Now, I'm not guaranteeing that he's not, you know, he might nip you a few times, but I think the lesson will get through. The only thing about this is it only works 
if you only feed him twice a day for 15 minutes. So that's where I think you've got to go back and talk to a vet about how feeding and care of the bird in terms of its wing and things like that as well. But try that little trick. I think it'll work. It's Pet Chat this afternoon. If you'd like to call through, there's a free line waiting there right now on 49216216. We'd love to hear from you. We're here till 1 o'clock. Pet Chat, 2NURFM 103.7. Dr David Tabbert is here. Denny Boz is here. And also your calls. And we've got from Bonnells Bay, Sylvia. Hello, Sylvia. How are you today? Hello. Um, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Hi, Sylvia. Very good, thank you. What can we do for you? I have a, a cat. Mm. Um, I would say he's approximately eight or nine years old. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, he's had these sneezing attacks on and off for the last couple of years. Right. Now, the vet gives me Vibravet. Mm-hmm. Vibravet. I don't yes, know e- either way is fine. And normally it clears it up within three to four days. The last lot he's had, uh, I had to go through two lots. It still hadn't cleared up, but then two days later it did. All right, okay. Now, this has been going on far too long, and it's taking a lot out of him. He sneezes anything up to 19 times at a time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um. Is there any nasal discharge that occurs either at sneezing or any other time? Yes, at sneezing. All right. It's just like running nose so, and eyes sometimes. Yep. Now, Is the it, vet said he thinks it's a type of herpes. Yep. I don't know if that's right or not. Quite but possibly, But it can't yep. go on like this. And I said, plus, he's obviously getting um, immune to the antibiotic. Hmm. Very often what, uh, well, we do see feline herpes virus and it does cause um, a syndrome of upper respiratory tract infection and sometimes eye disease, ocular disease, which is pretty much what you're describing. And a lot of cats that have this are actually carrier um, cats for the virus. So unfortunately, it won't necessarily go away, but we can reduce the impact of these bouts when they occur One of the things, Vibrovet is used as a prevention or a treatment for any secondary infection. So it doesn't actually treat the virus itself, but hopefully prevents or keeps away um, or treats any secondary infections, which would make things a lot worse. People, uh, we have looked at and tried various um, antiviral medications. You know, you can get different medications for if you have um, cold sores and so on, which is herpes simplex virus. And uh, they don't really work that well in cats. Um, They do work to some extent, but very often, you know, the cost-benefit ratio of those products doesn't really help us out. So the one thing that has been tried quite a bit, and it's worth speaking to your vet about, is to use lysine, which is an immediate... Sorry? Can you spell that? Yes, yes. It's uh, L-Y-S-I-N-E. And this is an amino acid supplement. Now, it comes available, uh, there's two forms. There's the D form and the L form, but pretty much the L form is the only one that's sold anyway. Um, The lysine is an amino acid that helps the cells in the respiratory tract improve and get rid of the virus. So what we've found is when we put cats on the lysine as a supplement, and uh, they're taking it either at the time of an, ins- of an episode or long-term, 
the severity and the duration and the frequency of the attacks becomes a lot less. They won't go away altogether. Ah, I think I've got that Enesil, but it doesn't seem to be helping him. Um, I'm not familiar with the trade names, but um, that's probably the next best thing. And apart from that, good nutrition is always useful, of course. And unfortunately, it is a, a long-term problem which can occur as you're finding with increasing frequency, probably, as you say, as age comes on and the immune system starts to get weighed down by the chronic virus. But certainly I would look at different ways of using the lysine. There are different dosing strategies, and it might be that you need to reaffirm that with your vet and make sure that we're using the right thing. It's Pet Chat, and John joins us now from Mayfield. Good afternoon, John. Yes, good afternoon. Hello, Dave. Listen, um, yeah, I've got... Um, two uh, five-year-old, five-and-a-half-year-old cockatiels, mm-hmm. and I have um, never ever been introduced to fresh f- fruits or vegetables. Mm. I've all been on the diet of uh, the uh, cockatiel seeds. Yep. Now, would it be detrimental to their health if I start to introduce the fruits and veggies to them? No. It wouldn't, wouldn't be detrimental to their health, but you might have limited success. All right. Okay, so let's, right. let's look at it. Now, a seed diet, we've talked about this before on the show, and it's been a while. Um, Dr. Emily, uh, who's also works uh, on our Pet Chat show, she, she looks after a lot of these guys, so she'll talk about it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things with seed diets is it's high in fat. So basically... You're, you've got these two guys, they're sitting there, they're eating the seed diet, which I tend to say it's sort of like your fast food diet. And then you come along and go, no, no, that's no good for you. I'm just going to give you salad. Okay. And so, you know, they're like, how successful is that going to be? Well, mm-hmm. we, you know, we know how well that works in the human world yes. with all our self-control. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so it's hardly going to work for our birds. They, it can work but it just takes a long time. Long, long time, yeah. Yeah, and what I, what I would suggest, uh, there are some strategies around this. There's a very good book that describes how to feed. It's called Birds for Dummies, and it's got, apart from all the other health information in there, it's got some very good ideas around feeding. The other thing is, rather than using a seed diet as your go-to diet, in other words, if you're not going to eat the veggies, what am I going to give you? I would switch over to a parrot pellet a pelleted diet now this is a balanced food it's much better for them lower in uh, lower in fats not too much excess energy it's got adequate vitamin a which is another deficiency that occurs with seed diets whole seed diets and that way you can then supplement things like your fruit and veggies on top of the pelleted diet Uh, i don't mean physically on top but you know beside uh, so that you're sure that you're getting the right nutrition rather than just saying oh well that didn't work you know, the salads didn't work. We're just going to go back to the fatty food. So I would use the pelleted food and then add fruit and veggies on top of that. My advice is it takes about a month to train them over at that age. If they're a lot younger, if you've got, uh, you know, three-month-old or four-month-old birds, you can get them onto pellets quite easily. But um, if you go for uh, a pelleted food, it's going to take you about a month to train them over. 
All right, John, good luck with that, and thank you for your call here at Pet Chat this afternoon. Danny, have we got any events coming up around our area this weekend? There is at the Morissette Showgrounds. Uh, in Morissette, there is a dog show happening this Saturday and Sunday, if you wanted to go by and have a look at uh, all the different breeds of, of dogs. Okay, that sounds mm. good. Now, your topic for today, please, David. So, Dave, you might have seen a Star Trek. You're old enough to remember original Star Trek, I love right? the original, yes. Yes. Yeah. And you remember they had those things called tricorders where they could actually just scan it over their body and tell you where the problem was? We've nearly got them available. This is the amazing thing. Like, we're used to all these advances in human medicine and you can go and get CTs and you can get, you know, we're talking about stem cell therapy. Oh, yeah. That's all available for pets as well. In fact, stem cell therapy, a lot of uh, general practice vets actually have that available. There's a kit that comes where you can generate stem cells from the dog itself to treat things like arthritis and other conditions. So a lot of these advances that we're hearing about not not too long ago, half a generation ago, were probably only something that occurred in a Star Trek movie. And I was speaking to a client the other day and said, you know, should we get a CT done? Should we have an MRI done? And it's not outside the realm of our possibility now to take a pet and say we need to have a look Let's do a CT scan, which is like a big fancy 3D x-ray machine. Let's do an MRI, which is even bigger and fancier, and uh, see if we can find out what's going on. All of this stuff has come from the field of human medicine. Mm. And the other thing that happens is that when we make advances with our pets as well and veterinary care, a lot of that feeds back into how humans are looked after. So there's a lot of that to and fro of technology New medications, as I said, with stem cell therapy, you'd be quite amazed at what's available to help keep our pets healthy. Isn't that clever? Yeah. Mm. We go boldly. That's what we do. Before we go too much further, we're starting to get the cooler mornings and the cooler nights. What's some preparations we can do? Because our older cats and our older dogs, and that they start to feel it when it settles in cooler like this as we head closer to winter. Yeah. And look, look at the breeds of dogs. You know, if you've got a husky or one of those... Um, snow type dogs, Malamutes and so on. Yeah. They they're going to cope okay with the cooler weather. But if you've got something like an Italian Greyhound or a Whippet or even a Greyhound, they've got no fat. They've got very thin coats. Those guys, they need you need to go down to the pet store and get a nice warm coat for them mm. because they do feel the cold. Contrary to what people think, they do feel the cold. Um, is there plenty of options available for, for, to help them in the wintry months, Denny? With heating, there is, yeah, Dave. Yeah. Uh, you've got different styles of uh, jackets, dog coats, whether it's waterproof or not, heating fleece blankets. or not fleece, heated um, mats usually mm. for on the bedding to be attached. You've got doggy jumpers as well, So, and in different styles and colours. So a lot yeah. of different areas we can explore, but just don't think that they're okay because we've got to consider their, their well-being and their, yeah. their warmth. And that. The other thing I see, Dave, so I think you've got to cut back, like us, cut back on the diet just a little because their metabolism slows down. They don't tend to exercise as much, and we don't want to get through winter and put on too many pounds. Rightio. Done well, boys. Thank you again Thank for you. today. That is our pet chat. Who's with us next week? Do you know? You've got the roster. You won't share it with me. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Oh, <laughs> I think good. it'll be Dr. Bob, won't it? It might be Dr. Bob, yeah. I'll track it, I'll I like track that it you down. went to the trouble preparing a roster and you didn't give it to anyone. Maybe us, it's so me. It could be you. <laughs> you again. could be lucky. I could be. Oh, <laughs> it's Pet Chat. It's back again for you next Wednesday from midday here at 2NURFM.